So sometimes you come up with an idea, you think it's clever, and then you look at it on the screen and you realize it just looks like the logo spring a leak. It doesn't quite look like a fountain. Sometimes it don't work out the way you have in your mind. It looked great in my head, but it doesn't look great on the screen. That's okay. It still gets the point across. Uh, we are thankful for your presence here this morning. We're glad that you're here on this beautiful Sunday. It's an overcast, cloudy, with the chance of rain kind of Sunday, which I imagine for everyone here, it makes it a beautiful Sunday. Probably everybody in this room has at least thought about or prayed, certainly hopefully has prayed about uh, our need for rain. So now either has come in some places around us. I know some people got it last night and it seems like maybe the rest of us are going to get it, hopefully, Lord willing, uh, later today and around uh, tonight. So if I see one person say, ugh, rain, as a status on Facebook, you're all going to feel my wrath because this is what you prayed for. This is what you're getting. This is what you need. This is what you deserve. Well, I don't know about deserve. It's a blessing. So this is what you need. And this is what you're getting. So we're very thankful to the Father for it. Uh, we are in the, sec- in the middle of the second part of a three-part series of sermons that are built around a Vacation Bible School song that we sing regularly every year at BBS time. Started last week. You can see the title behind me with the phrase, I've got peace like a river. And all we did with the sermon, very simple, we just said, what is it about rivers that make us think of peace? What is it about peace that makes us think of rivers? And so we just did what made sense to me. We just looked at some things about rivers that we know and saw the application that could be made to the peace which passes all understanding. Well, that's only the first part of that song. I've got peace like a river in my soul. But then you move on to the second part, which is I've got joy like a fountain. So, of course, as you can probably guess, what we're going to do is the same thing. What is it about joy that makes us think of fountains? What is it when we see a fountain that makes us think of joy? But I want to say this just just for a second before we uh, dig into the verse that we're going to consider in in the text in general. Um, Last week's sermon, as 99% of the sermons that I preach to you are, last week's sermon was a topical sermon. Now, what that means, that's inside baseball, preacher jargon, sermon writing lingo, about the kinds and the ways that you write various kinds of sermons. There's different ways to write a sermon to present to an audience that comes from God's Word. I prefer, I enjoy, I I get the most out of writing and teaching a topical sermon. What that means is I take a topic, in this case of last week, peace, and I walk through various texts from the Bible that relate to the subject matter, and I present, you know, a tapestry that relays the idea, which is we have peace like a river. But there are a lot of preachers that look down on that. There are a lot of preachers who think that's a lesser form of sermon writing and that the real proper, the the real preachers, preach not topical sermons, but preach what's called expository sermons, where you just take a text and you don't leave that one particular text, whether it's one verse or 20 in in a row, you take that one singular chunk of scripture and you just draw from it your points. And I have done expository sermons here and I do them occasionally, but I do them as just you know, a special occasion. I like using topical style because that's the way your New Testament is written when it writes about the Old Testament. So much of the New Testament makes references to and allusions to the Old Testament. And when it does, those inspired writers are picking and choosing text and sometimes slapping them together. Half of a verse from Genesis over here and half of a verse from Deuteronomy over there and they'll stick them together as though it was one statement and you're trying to thumb through the Bible. Where is that verse at? It's not there. They took two verses and stuck them together. And that's, that's topical preaching. And as long as the verses stay in context, 
it's a perfectly acceptable means to preach. But I get, I get flack for being a topical preacher. So you're going to get an expository sermon this morning, is my point, okay? And you're going expo- to get the most expository sermon that has ever been exposited because I'm just going to give you one verse. All you're going to get this morning is one text. Now, I know I can't help myself. I will make allusions to other texts, but I'm not going to read any other verses. That's my compromise. You're going to get just one verse that was read to you a minute ago. Open your Bibles if you've already closed them. Open them back up to Philippians 4, verse 4. From this one verse, we will learn everything we need to know about the joy that we have, which is like a fountain. Why is it that we call this joy of ours fountainous? What is it when we see fountains that hopefully from now on we will see them and think of the joy of the Lord that was sung to us and led to us just a minute ago? What is it about joy that makes us think of fountains? Let's notice the verse in question, Philippians 4.4, a very simple, matter-of-fact, to-the-point statement by the Apostle Paul who says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. You are given in that text a thing to do, rejoice. You're given in that text a place to do it in the Lord. You're given in that text a how long to do it, always. And then, just to double it down, to emphasize the point, he tells you all over again, and again I say, rejoice. There's your verse, there's your sermon. Now I want you to grab your highlighter, if you don't have one, mentally highlight. I'm going to give you the key words and phrases to take home with you from this text. Here are the key words and phrases I want you to remember. I'm going to highlight them on the screen behind me. By all means, if you have a highlighter, feel free to join in. What you need to know when you look at this text, you need to remember rejoice. You need to remember in the Lord, always. And again, I say rejoice. Every single bit of this verse is critical. And if you take out just one part of it, even the part at the end that repeats itself, you lose the power of the Scripture. Let's talk this morning about the joy that we have as children of God. Let's talk this morning about what it means to have joy like a fountain. First of all, Let's go to the first word of the verse. Well, what is it about fountains? Let's start there. What is it about fountains that are going to make us think of joy? Last week, we looked at rivers. We looked at three different rivers, the Nile, the Amazon, and the Zhangqing. And we looked at these rivers that are really long, really wide, or really tall when a tidal wave comes to them. And so we made comparisons that way. Well, let's just take one fountain. Whether this is a, a natural spring or, most especially in my mind, one of those kinds of fountains that look like bird baths with a little bird bath on top and little water comes down and comes down and looks all pretty. They're really, really big ones sometimes outside of hospitals or you can build one or buy them to put in your own backyard even. You can have your own little fountain flowing freely uh, in your backyard. So what is it about a fountain as we think of them? How are they constructed? How they're made? What, what is the requirements of them that we can make the application to joy first of all about fountains fountains need a release fountains need a small little spigot see if you look at a fountain from far away you just admire the craftsmanship if it's if it's handmade you admire the craftsmanship that design if you just like stonework and so forth and the, the ornament design of it all and then you see the water coming out of it you just admire it from afar but if you get up close and look down in it what you see is just this little pipe This tiny little spigot, or whatever you want to call it, that's shooting out that water that makes the fountain look so pretty. Fountains require a a small pressure of release. If there's no release, you don't have a fountain. You just have this little stone structure, which isn't very impressive. There must be that release. There's water in there, but the water has to come out, or it doesn't do any good for anybody wanting to admire it. 
Well, much in the same way, the joy that we have in Christ, the joy of the Lord, must release. And that's the first word of the verse. That's the first thing Paul tells you. He says, rejoice. Now, I don't know how your Bible translates it. Mine says rejoice. I'm using the King James on the screen. Your Bible might have be full of joy. That's not good enough. Your Bible might say be happy. That's not good enough at all. Your Bible might say, be blessed. That doesn't do it justice. This word is perfectly chosen because it best describes what the process is when a person rejoices. You see, you have within yourself as a child of God something the world does not. You have within you something which God gave you. You have something that is, is, is uh, as a much a part of you as your very salvation is. In fact, it is tethered to your salvation. You have it because you are saved. This thing which is inside you cannot stay within you. What you have inside you is not rejoice. That's an oxymoron. What you have inside you is joy. And that joy must come out or it will wither and die within you. That joy must be expressed. That joy must be released. And what you call it, what the word is for joy in you that bursts out of you is rejoice. That's what you must do. Now, I'm going to make an illusion. I'm not going to read it to you. I'm going to make an allusion to the Sermon on the Mount, where my master at the beginning of that sermon says a word over and over and over. And in the old King James, that word is blessed. Blessed are you in this circumstance. Blessed are these kinds of people, a peacemaker or so forth. Blessed are you when men shall revile you and speak evil against you. Blessed, 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 blessed. More modern translations in Matthew 5 don't say blessed, but say happy, 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 happy. And on a technical, just technical level, that's technically a good translation. But that doesn't matter. I don't care about the technicality right now. Because it's not a good uh, translation in practicality. It may be technical, but not practical. Because the meaning of the word may literally be happy, but we don't use the word happy in the same way that translator meant the word happy. We use the word happy today to mean something that is short-term, fickle, and requirement of happenstance. It's back to where the origin of the word is. Something randomly comes your way that is good, and you respond with a good response. You respond with happiness. And like with all things of this world, it comes good, and it goes away. Maybe a little while, maybe it stays, maybe it goes briefly, and it's gone. But either way, it's not going to last forever. And when it's gone, necessarily does your happiness fade. When it's gone, does your smile go down. Happiness in this world is short term. Jesus is not telling you, be short term, fickle, happy, and rejoice. He's not telling you be short-term, fickle, happy when you're persecuted or when you're a peacemaker or things like that that he says in Matthew 5. That's not what he's saying. What he is saying is you have within you the means to celebrate even when bad things happen. You have the means within you to be different from the world, not a war maker, but a peacemaker. You have within you these, these capabilities. Let them out. That word is not happy. That word is be rejoicing. That word is bursted out of you. That's the word that Paul says here. He commands, in fact, you here. Not be happy in the Lord always. And again, I say be happy. Because that's what the world offers you. Jesus doesn't offer you happiness. That sounds crazy, but that's, he offers you something better than that. Deeper than that. Grander than that. He says, you have joy in the Lord. Release it. You want joy like a fountain? You have within you the capacity for rejoicing. So you can either sit on it, you can either hold it in and watch it wither and die, or 
you can let it out. And you can tell other people, or you can sing to your Father in heaven, or sing to other people about it. But in some way or another, you need to release that joy. That's the word Paul gives you here. Rejoice. Burst it out of you. You're full of this blessing of God. Express it. Fountains need release. You have joy like a fountain. Release it. What else do we know about fountains? Fountains don't just need a release. Fountains need a reservoir. In other words, you're watching this fountain that's spewing this water. Where's that water coming from? Sometimes it's coming from a, a, you know, an actual body of water that's nearby, a lake or a pond or a, a, a sea or something like that. Sometimes it's just a tank of water that you've buried in the ground or it's hidden off in the side. You see you know, a pretty fountain outside of a, a business or something. They've got a tank of water back there you can't see. That's not pretty. What's pretty is the fountain. But that tank of water is holding the water that's working through the system to release. There needs to be a reservoir. There needs to be a place where that water is kept. Listen, you have joy in the Lord. Your joy is like a fountain. Where, what is the source of your joy? Where is your joy found? It's bursting out of you. Someone is naturally going to come up to you and say, you're just expressing all this joy. Where's that joy coming from? What's your answer? Rejoice, Paul says, in the Lord. What is the reservoir of your joy? What is the source of your joy? You, listen to me, you cannot be the source of your joy because joy by definition is bigger than you are it is supposed to supersede your circumstances it's supposed to be there even when things are bad and when things are bad you if you just had you respond with frustration sadness bitterness cynicism pessimism qualities that don't define a christian but do define the world you can't be the source of your joy you can be the source of happiness you can make it within yourself and you can think about what makes you happy and you can work toward the goal of achieving happiness. And in the short term and sometimes in a, in a medium length term, you can make yourself happy. You can work the parameters of your life. You can work the system around you to where you can achieve happiness. You can do what makes you happy. That's not a miracle. That's just you knowing what makes you happy and striving for it. But happiness is not joy. Happiness is a fickle thing. Happiness is fleeting. And whatever it is that you have found in this world that you can grab hold of will eventually wither in, in your hands. Just disappear, run through the cracks in your hands like sand. And then you won't be happy anymore. And if you've staked all of your emotional claim on that thing that has now evaporated through your hands like sand, you're not happy anymore. Now you're back to being bitter, miserable, sad, despondent, dejected, defeated, whatever word you want to use. But there is something within you as a Christian that is greater than short-term happiness. There is something that God has put in you as a Christian. It is your relationship with Jesus Christ that provides for you the wellspring that bursts out of you for your joy. Are you in the Lord? Because if you are, you are standing in joy. And that joy fills you up and hopefully you open your mouth and it bursts out of you so that others can know about it. So that when those people come to you and they say, why are you like this? Why do you act like this? What's the source of this? You can tell them, I'm in the Lord. Because what they're coming to you asking is, what have you done in this world? What books have you read? What gurus have you attended? What, what conferences have you visited? What, what weird crystals have you bought from Gwyneth Paltrow? What things have you bought and you associated and put? And what incense have you burned? They're thinking for worldly things. But what you're giving them is something that is spiritual. What you're giving them is something that is relevant. That will actually solve their problems. Because they're going to spend money 
and they're going to get into the sunk cost fallacy where they spent so much money buying all of Joel Olstein's books that they think they might as well pretend that they're happy when he's not giving you any happiness. He's not giving you anything. Certainly he's not giving you anything biblical. But what the Lord gives you is something greater than the world. What the Lord gives you is something genuine. It is a reservoir for every response you have. Whether circumstances are good, you rejoice in the Lord. Whether circumstances are bad, you rejoice in the Lord. But you've got to be in the Lord. And I'm not going to quote it. I'm just going to look to it. You can look it up yourself. Galatians 3.27. How do you get to be in the Lord? You've got to be baptized into the Lord. And once you're baptized into the Lord, you are placed in the Lord. And then in the Lord, you can rejoice. In fact, in the Lord, you are commanded to rejoice. He is the reservoir that provides all your joy. Do not leave it. I said this last week about peace. Do not make yourself the burden bearer, the one who must accomplish you achieving peace. Do not leave it to yourself to accomplish joy in your life. You won't find it. You'll just be grabbing short-term things. You'll be chasing fool's gold. But trust in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. And you'll find something that lasts. Something that is real. Like all fountains, they need a release. Fountains need a reservoir. What else is it that defines a fountain? Fountains need restrictions. You see, that little bitty spigot that I mentioned, or that little bitty pipe or whatever it is that releases the water, it's got to be little bitty because you have to force that pressure to make it shoot out. If that's really, really big, you won't have a release of water that looks like a fountain. It won't look attractive. It won't look catching to the eye. It'll just look like this bubbling up thing. It'll be kind of sad and pitiful. You don't, nobody wants to see a fountain that just kind of looks like a bubbling of water, like a witch's concoction. You want to see something that looks like a fountain, something that looks like Old Faithful or something. It has an oppressive spray up in the air, and it makes a beautiful formation and so forth. Well, that requires certain restrictions. That water has to be funneled in and worked through the system. It has to be impelled through the whole process to fire out of. Well, there must be restrictions also to your joy. You are a joyous person in the Lord, but you don't get to define that joy because you didn't create that joy. There is a restriction in place for that joy. Now catch this. Here's your restriction for joy. Your restriction is this. You must rejoice in the Lord always. And you think that doesn't sound like a restriction. That sounds like liberty. That sounds like freedom. I always get to rejoice. Yeah, but sometimes you don't always want to rejoice. And you are not given the freedom not to rejoice. You are not told you cannot rejoice every now and then. You are told you must rejoice in the Lord always. That limitation is placed on you and you need that limitation because when the circumstances are bad and they come your way, your first worldly instinct is to recoil, to hide, to fret, to get cynical and bitter and disappointed and retreat. And God says, I need you to work against your first instinct. I need you to do what doesn't seem natural. I need you to face that major problem, whatever it is, and rejoice at it. You've got this huge King Kong looking monster that's bearing down on you and you are this tiny little ant looking up at it. It is this mountain of a problem. And your first instinct is maybe to run away. Your second instinct maybe is to find some worldly solution. There is, it probably in the world there is no point at all in which you're going to look at that and celebrate. And yet, I'm going to allude to it, I'm not going to quote it, but I'll allude to it. In Romans 5, Paul says, we rejoice in tribulations. That just seems oxymoronic. That seems like that's the opposite of what I should do. When I face tribulation, maybe I should hunker down, I should furrow my brow, and I should get ready to fight. But Paul says, no, we sing songs when we face tribulation because we know before we ever go through the trial, before we ever march through the problem, we know on the other side is a Savior welcoming us to Him. 
On the other side is a Savior who never let us down. We will face the problem head on and we will tell the problem, I am going to power through you through the help of God. And that's going to produce experience and hope which will not let me down. I'm going to get through that problem on the other side. That's the commandment. You must do that. Always. Because always means when it's easy and always means when it's not. Because your first instinct is not to rejoice. But Paul says rejoice always. Fountains need restrictions. Last one, then we're done. Fountains need recycling. Because think about it. You look at that fountain and it's got this water coming up. Let's not use a water fountain. Let's think about the best kind of fountain there is. Have you ever been to a wedding and they have one of those chocolate fountains? Even better. Even better. I'll do you one better. They have the Chick-fil-A catered weddings and they have the barbecue sauce fountains and the nuggets there. Listen, if any of you guys are looking to get married again and you want me to do it, I won't even accept a fee. Just get me a nugget fountain and I'll gladly do your wedding. Pro bono. Okay? Just get me a fork and a pile of nuggets and one of those barbecue fountains. Because it's, it's just like, it's, it's a wonder of the world, those things. Because you stab one, and you put it in there, and you, and then you stab another one, and this will go on for a while. But you stab another one, and you, you hover it, and you think, well, where's all this barbecue sauce coming from? And no one wants to say it out loud, but it's, it's the same barbecue sauce being recycled. Now, you're not eating my barbecue sauce. I'm getting, I'm pulling my fork out and eating it on my own. It's just the sauce that's unused just gets recycled and recycled. That's how all fountains work. There must be a recycling process. That water that flows down, it looks all pretty, works back through the system and comes up and out again. There must be that repetition so you can continually enjoy the benefits of the fountain. You have joy and it must be like a fountain. So rejoice in the Lord always. And then recycle the commandment. Again, I say rejoice. Because as you stare up at that monster of a problem, as you look up in awe of the magnitude of your tribulation, and you say to your problem, I am going to fight you with the Lord. Well, kudos to you, because most people wouldn't say that. But you'll say that. I'm going to stand up to you through the Lord, and I'm going to march right through you. And you do. And on the other side of that, is another problem and a lot of people get discouraged a lot of people want to quit right then because they think i'm going to the first time they encounter one as a christian i'm going to stand up to that problem i'm going to do what he says i'm going to rejoice in the lord in the face of this adversity and they do it and then there's another adversity and sometimes it's the same one listen it's not magic it's not magic words that you can make it disappear you face that problem and you get through that problem. You don't necessarily defeat the problem. You just endure the problem. You survive the problem. And that problem is still there. And it will catch up to you again. Bigger and stronger and more angry and more determined than ever because the source of that problem is the devil who is determined to defeat you. So what will you do the second time you face that problem? Will you get discouraged because it didn't work the first time? Or will you realize it did work? I got through it, and I can get through it again. That's why Paul says in Romans 5, we rejoice in tribulation because it works within us experience and hope, which makes not ashamed. It, he didn't let me down the first time, so why would he this time? It's the same problem. If God could get me through it the first time, he can get me through it the second time. God doesn't get tired. God doesn't wear out. God doesn't shrink in the face of danger. So why should I? I'm going to rejoice in the Lord, get through that problem, and then when I face it again, I'm going to again say, rejoice. 
Now that's your sermon. But I'm not done. I got one more thing. Because someone's going to hear all that. Maybe someone in this audience who's not a Christian is going to hear all that and say, well, it's good for you to say, easy for you to say, convenient for you because you, you talk about this thing that you have within you, but I don't have that. You've got something that I don't have. Listen, I do have something. If you're not a Christian, you don't have it. But I'm not holding an exclusive license to it. I'm not holding it so you can have it. I'm just enjoying that I have it, and I am inviting you to have it too. That fountain, that I, this divine fountain that I go to, that is the source of my fountainous joy, that divine fountain that I approach as the reservoir for my joy is available to you. It is a fountain free for you. But you say that to people, some people. It's a fountain free. And they say, yeah, well, it's not for me. It's not for me. Maybe you can have it, but I, I just can't find joy. I can't have joy. I'm not going to be joyous. I hear even my brethren say this. It's not for me to be joyful. I just can't be joyful. I'm sorry. Paul was not giving a suggestion. It is for you and me to rejoice. It is for you and me to go to this fountain and partake of it. You are commanded to do so. You don't have to, but don't turn it around and act like God didn't make it available or that you can't. He made it so that you could. The verse that, that we read, it starts with the word rejoice. The verse starts with an imperative. It's not a suggestion. It's not a casual, maybe you're already doing it, so good job, keep it up. No, he tells you, you rejoice. It's an imperative statement. You are commanded to rejoice. Here's this circumstance where I don't feel like rejoicing. Rejoice. Here's this, here's this occasion where I just don't feel like it's in me. You better find it in you. If you're in Christ, it's in there. You better meditate on God's word. You better pray more to God. You better get in the right state of mind because you are not going to disobey this commandment. Mister, buck up. Let's go rejoice. Because God understands us better than we understand ourselves. God is the one who made us. He's the carpenter of us. He knows exactly how this machine works. Me. And he knows that if I don't rejoice in the face of that hardship, that I will get discouraged and I will fall away. And he also knows that if I do rejoice, that he will get me through it. It might be a long process. It might be a hard process, but it will get me to the other side. And so he knows me to tell me, you rejoice. Open your mouth and sing praises and thanks. What is it that is said about all the apostles that were killed and all the missionaries of the early Christian days that were murdered for Christ? What does it say about them? That they went to the chopping block singing hymns. It is said of Paul that as they were leading him to the execution block, that he was singing hymns to God. Rejoice in the face of it. And God will get you through. It is for you and me. You must do it. Rejoice in the Lord. It's a fountain free. But somebody says, but I don't agree. I don't agree that it's free, in other words. I, don't think, I think it's going to cost me something if I give up the hold that I have on my problems. Because right now I can know my problems, I can define my problems, I can give you papers, long written papers on why my problems affect me so much. And I'm speaking of me, maybe you're the same way. I can write down every single thing that's wrong with me and tell you all my problems. And I just sometimes don't want to let go of that. I want to hold on to that, I want to have some ownership over that, some feeling of control over that. But I've got to release that. I've got to let go of that. I've got to give that to Christ like we talked about last week. And when I do let go of that, what I find is a fountain of, of peace. I find a fountain of grace. I find a fountain of joy to replace all of those negative things that I'm holding on to. 
See, a person who holds on to all their problems, they may think they're holding on to their ownership of it, but all they're doing is making themselves worn down and defeating themselves. So come to the brink of this fountain, weary soul, and let it go. And find its replacement in the joy that Christ provides you. There's a fountain free. Rejoice in the Lord. Go to Him. Let Him, let Him take ownership of your problems. And you just take ownership of His joy. There's a fountain free. And somebody says, I don't want to get. Somebody says, just wait a minute, please. I'll, I'll be joyful in a minute. Right now I, need to, I just want to solve this one last thing. I want to handle this one on my own. I can handle this one. I'll, I'll give these big ones to God. I can handle this one. So many people are trying to hold on to the little problems and they'll be happy to give the big ones to God and they don't realize that it's all or nothing. That you either rely on God or you do not. You're either reliant or you're not. And if you try to tell God, you take these big ones, I'll take the little ones, you're not on God's level. This is not a team. You're not robbing to his Batman. No, that's not how it works. You give it all to him or you keep it all for yourself. And so many people think they can take the little problems. And it's just, this is just a little problem. I'll just put it in the sack and I'll carry it. And you have 10,000 little problems that are weighing you down and defeating you. Let it go. Give it to God. And don't say, I want to solve this one right now. Give it to him now. You give it to him now. There's a fountain free. Haste to its brink. Run to it. Now, immediately, do not delay. And become a Christian today. As it says, rejoice in the Lord always. Never find a time when you're not going to that fountain to enjoy its blessings and benefits. So what about you this morning? Are you a Christian? If you are, are you living a joy-filled life? If you are, do we see it? Or are you just holding that joy in, putting it a top layer, a little cork in that pipe so it doesn't release? You're putting it as a cork all your frustrations and bitterness and problems. And you're letting your joy just wither and evaporate and die. Release the cork and rejoice. Rejoice in the face of your problems. Rejoice because of God's blessings. And let the world see what you have in Christ. If you are a Christian, rejoice. If you are not a Christian, you have no cause for rejoicing. But today you can come into Christ. You can believe the gospel, obey the gospel, be added to Jesus Christ's body. And tap the reservoir of joy. And start a process that will end with you going to heaven someday. Can we help you this morning? Whatever we can do for you, let us know right now as we stand and sing.